so we've heard about the fourth dimension, and this is week three. Uh, Pastor Teresa is preaching in our Melbourne location today uh, and going to be blessing them down there. And hi, if you're watching online, I believe that God is going to speak to you into your spirit and encourage something in you and awaken uh, faith in your heart like he is for us in this congregation. Are you feeling good? Are you feeling excited? Feeling a little stirring? Sometimes, you know, that uh, it awakens frustration as well as a stirring. I don't know if uh, talking about faith sometimes, it's just sort of like, gosh, I need things to shift for me. I've got circumstances where I really need God to move. There's things that are problems in my life, and I need this whole miraculous thing that you're talking about, and this fourth dimension. So we're going to help you with that. If you've got a problem, we can help you, and we're going to talk about how you can actually tap into that fourth dimension, which is indeed miraculous. So today, I'm going to be talking about a mindset for the miraculous a mindset for the miraculous. So messing with a few mindsets, a few thoughts, uh, a a way of thinking that we have uh, that we've either been born with or that we've lived or through our circumstances has been shaped in our life. A mindset for the miraculous. Who's an optimist? Who just was like, yep, this is going to work. That's awesome. I can see the positive. There's quite a number of optimists, uh, but not as many. I mean, probably more. Um, non-optimists, but that doesn't mean you're a pessimist. We'll talk about that uh, in a moment. Uh, Pastor Yongi Cho, John said, he's the uh, pastor. He founded the uh, biggest church in the world at the time, uh, nearly a million people in Korea. And he's written this book to just really unpack something. I feel like we can learn things from him. The chapter five, when you read through it, it talks about the school of Andrew. This comes out of a, uh, a gospel story about Jesus Christ. And we're going to read through that today and just look at it through the eyes of Andrew. So just come with me as I read you this passage. It's the uh, miracle of the loaves and the fishes. Many of you have been in church for a while. You would have heard about Jesus multiplying the loaves of the fish and feeding many people. So we're just going to unpack that a bit this morning. Are you ready? Okay, John chapter 6. This is one of the Gospels, verse 1. It says, after this, everybody say after this. After this. After what? Okay, we're going to come back to that. Hold that thought. After this, Jesus crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias. Huge crowd were following him wherever he went. They saw the miraculous signs as he healed the sick. Jesus climbed a hill, sat down with his disciples around him. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked him this question, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip because he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, even if we worked for months, he's trying to think it in his logical brain. Even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Then Andrew we we'll talk about the school of Andrew. Simon Peter's brother spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. Not a lot, right? But what good is that with this huge crowd? Duh, doesn't matter. Tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered about 5,000. Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God for the little and distributed them to the people. Afterward, he did the same with the fish and they all ate as much as they wanted. Crazy. After everyone was full, Jesus said, told his disciples, now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. 
So they picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from five barley loaves. A miracle. A miracle. There would have been 20,000 people at least there that day. And Jesus fed them with just five loaves of bread and two fish. We don't know how big the fish were. Depends who you're talking to. If it was a guy, this big, right? If it was a woman, probably no. All right. Uh, big catering job. Anyway, if you were catering for 20,000 people, it's a big catering job. There's people that see opportunity and, you know, optimists. You see the upside in things. I'm married to one of those people. He's like, the upside of this issue is something positive. He can see that. They think differently. Okay, so let me give you a context of this chapter in the Bible. John chapter 6, it followed John chapter 5. Right. What happened in John chapter 5? Well, Jesus went to the pool of Bethesda and he saw a crippled man who had been disabled for 38 years and he picked up his hand and he healed him. And in a moment, there was a miracle. He took the crippled man and he could stand and walk and he left there. Andrew had seen this with his own eyes. He had been with Jesus through his ministry. And we're only in John chapter 6, okay? His ministry started in John chapter 1 of this gospel. So Andrew had seen Jesus turn water into wine. So he'd taken the water, he'd turned it into wine. That's a miracle. He'd seen him preach. He'd seen him heal the sick. He'd seen him send his word and heal someone that wasn't even in the midst. So he'd seen the power of God. So then that verse one, it says, after this. So Andrew had been with Jesus through all those miracles. So he comes to that place where there is lack and and Philip is saying, what are we going to do? Even if we work for months, he can't see it. But Andrew has seen what Jesus can do. He's seen the miracles that Jesus has released into people's lives. And he says, well, we've got these loaves and fish. I mean, it's a tiny meal for 20,000 people. If you look at the logistics of that, it's like you get a tiny little crumb. It wouldn't go anywhere. But he'd seen what Jesus had done with his own eyes. And he said, it was kind of like a little, but what could you do with that anyway? Oh, we've got the loaves and the fish, but what could you do? Wink, wink. I know what you've done before I've seen you perform miracles. And he's just presenting that thought to Jesus. And Jesus says, bring them to me, give thanks. And he breaks it and passes it out amongst 25. They have leftovers. So it's a huge miracle, but it came alive because of Andrew's thinking. So this is a challenge for us, right? Because we can see the need. We can see the circumstances. We can see the negative. We can see the lack. Philip saw so many reasons why it couldn't happen. But Andrew's eyes had been opened. He didn't see the situation as hopeless. He knew that if he could give Jesus something to work with, just a few loaves of bread, it wasn't nothing. When he took the water to wine, he took the water, he turned it into wine. So he took something that was there. Do you believe that God is a miracle working God today? 
Hebrews 13, verse 8, it says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if He can do that miracle for those 20,000 people, imagine what He can do in our lives. And this is what we're trying to stir up in us, that we're uh, getting a dream from God. We're incubating that thought, that seed, that Word of God. We're imagining what if God could turn our situation into a miracle. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. What can you see Jesus working on in your life? It's possibility thinking. So this mindset for the miraculous, we're talking about getting a mindset. How do we get a mindset for the miraculous? How do we do it? Okay, so number one, two things I've got for you today. We've got to change the way we think. Got to change the way that we think. Andrew walked with Jesus. He spent time with Jesus. He saw what he could do. We can still do that today. We can walk with Jesus. He comes and he lives in our heart. And we heard this story this morning of Jesus. He comes and he lives in Michael's heart and he can do things in him that he could never do on his own. He can restore his heart. Jesus comes and he walks. You, you see restoration. In every service, we hear a testimony of God transforming someone's life. It might be restoration of heart. It might be provision in circumstances. It might be salvation and, and of family members or of ourselves. It might be healing. That's God moving in the miraculous. So we can walk with Jesus. We can see what he does. We can hear those stories and be inspired. We've seen you do it in somebody else, God. Maybe you can do it for me. It turns on that faith in us and we build our own history with him. As you walk with Jesus, you have stories of uh, him coming and answering your prayers. And it might be the littlest thing. He cares. You know, he cares about the number of hairs on your head. That's a scripture in the New Testament. It says he counts the number of hairs. So he cares about the detail, the little things. So sometimes you just pray a prayer over the smallest thing. He answers that that's your history that you're building with God. So you see what God can do in your life, in others' lives, and that's walking with Jesus. And that creates that ability to think differently as you read the Word of God and see what Jesus has done. He's done it before. He can do it again. So it's the renewing of the mind. Okay, we hear about the renewing the mind, renewing the mind. Romans 12 verse 2, this is a different translation. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Let him, right? You have to let him. You have to give him permission, right? He's not just going to change it because he knows it's good for you and it's best for you. You have to let him change the way that you think. Then you will learn to know, it says, God's will for you, which is good and perfect and pleasing. Partner with him. Be that person who thinks of the upside. Am I an upside thinker? More than I used to be. I'm not like a born upside person. That sounds weird. Uh, I'm not a born optimist. Uh, and, and I would um, refute the, oh, you must be a pessimist then, as most non-optimist people would say. I would say a realist, okay? <laughs> and every optimist goes, oh, whatever. Uh, 
Uh, in my wiring, right, I've got, um, I can think of how things can plan, pan out. Uh, the what if this happens? Uh, what if there was a cyclone on the Sunshine Coast today? We all had to leave quickly. I'd know what to do because I've already pre-thought it, okay? It's, uh, it's, the, it's the worst case scenario thinking, okay, but this is good for us because we plan, okay? I know um, when my kids, oh, last month, okay, grown up, adults, uh, married and in a relationship, and I say to them on Monday night, oh, what are you going to do for Valentine's Day tomorrow? And both of them said, oh, we're going for a picnic. And I said, have you looked at the weather? I mean, have you seen the forecast? It's going to rain tomorrow night. And sure enough, it did rain. And uh, they had to change that. But this is what we non-optimists do. Okay, so it's, it's, not, it's not like bad. It can be helpful. It's a little bit of planning. Okay, but uh, God has had to work hard on me to become an optimist, a faith thinker, an upside thinker, because in my wiring, I can see other things. And so for him to give me, I've changed a lot with faith, the spirit of faith that gets on me and in me, it opens my thinking to what if God can do the impossible in my life? What if he can turn this circumstance around from something that looks totally impossible to something that now I see happening? What if he can? Oh, faith thinking, it turns something up on on the inside of you and with scripture and you start to see differently and you start to go, well, God, you're our source. You're our provider. Your name is Jehovah Jireh. You can provide. I know. And I call in that provision into my life in the name of Jesus, because it stirs something in me, the spirit of faith that's changed my way of thinking. We can think some pretty dumb things sometimes, some stupid thoughts. We can believe some dumb lies about ourselves, about our situation, our circum. We can listen to the voices in our head. They're negative. They're discouraging. We can ruminate on them. That's not God. That's not God. So we have to take those thoughts captive. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 3, it says, For though we live in the flesh, we do not wage war according to the flesh. It's a spiritual battle. The weapons of our warfare are not the weapons of the world. Instead, they have divine power to demolish strongholds, strongholds of thinking, negative thinking, those lies that come, that intimidation thing. We tear down arguments and every presumption set up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Take captive those thoughts, screw them up, throw them in the bin, burn them. They're not from God. They're lies, but we battle with those thoughts. So we have to recognize it and go, okay, if we're going to change our way of thinking, we have to take captive every thought that is not of God. That's how we change our thinking. Feed on the word of God. It's our daily bread. Confess scripture. Declare over your life and revolutionize your thinking life. Your thought life changes. Your attitude changes. And your outlook changes with different thinking. So what can you do to elevate the Word of God? You can read the Word of God every day. It's a great start. You can uh, say things to your phone as a, as a screensaver. You can listen to the Word of God, an audio Bible. Change the way that you think. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, I've got to change the way I think. Not you have to change. I put it in the chat. I've got to change the way I think. 
Yeah, let's stir up a little bit of stuff there. <laughs> You're not saying you need to change it. Just take a bit of ownership. Change the way you think. Okay. So for a mindset of miracles, first of all, we have to change the way we think. And second of all, we need to think in terms of miracles. What? Miracles. Oh my gosh, the impossible. Blow it open. Jane Katrina thought in terms of miracles with their building that I heard them share about recently. They've just moved into a building in Kiwana uh, that is, I don't know how many times bigger than your previous building. Many times, four times bigger. They went to this street, they looked, they needed to buy a a building for their business because it was growing. Amazing. And went to this street, saw a building, wasn't really that big enough. Jay stood in front of the one next door and said, now this is the one that I want to get. Katrina, being a realist, says, honey, it's not for sale. <laughs> okay, that's, real. that's true. That's fact. He's like, that's the sort of building that I want. And now they've shared a story of moving into this building, buying it for their business because of miracle thinking, thinking in terms of miracles. Congratulations, we celebrate. Jane, Katrina, it's a miracle. It shouldn't have happened. And now they've moved in there because of their big faith. You know, this building that we're sitting in today, it was, it's a miracle building. We were meeting in the Green Building, if you've been around for 20 years, the Green Building on Main Drive in Kiwana. And uh, it was a small building. And we thought, Big faith, we could take the other half of the building. And uh, it just wasn't opening up to us. The tenant wouldn't move out. And so God enlarged our thinking. He spoke to John. He said, showed him one in Premier Circuit. He came and had a look at it. And then this one uh, came on our radar. It was five times the rent of our previous building. Yeah, our church was growing. It was doing good. But this was thinking in terms of miracles because we would need God to come on this journey and open the doors and provide for us way beyond just signing that lease. And here we are moving into this beautiful location. That other one, it wouldn't even fit our youth now. Our Honestly, it's so small what we're in and God provided because we're thinking in terms of miracles. It's the same with us personally for uh, getting our dream home, eight years that we moved into it next month. And where we were living was great, but God wanted to move us into something that would give us a, a, a mindset for miracles. And he opened doors for us that was indeed miraculous. It costs a lot more than we previously had a mortgage for. In fact, what we sold our original house, we bought double the um, was the, the new property was double the price of the previous property, which means a big mortgage. And we had a few years that we only had to pay um, interest only. Is that right? I'm not sure the whole technical term thing. But uh, And then we had to trust God and believe for a miracle to provide for us so that we could pay. And he has. And he has because he's a good God and he cares for you and he wants to expand your thinking. He wants you to see differently and get a mindset for the miraculous. God is so good. He loves us. He cares for us. What is it for you? What's the miracle that you're praying for? Is it restoration in your family? Is it for provision? Is it for a home, a job? Is it for salvation, for someone you love? Maybe it's for a partner. Maybe it is for healing, a house. This scripture that we read in John 6, he fed 20,000 people. Imagine 
Imagine 20,000 people. Have you been to a concert recently or a a stadium filled with footy lovers? 20,000 people. He had five loaves of bread and two fish. Andrew picks up a basket of bread and fish, takes it around. He feeds 20 people. He comes back, fills it up again. He takes it and distributes it. He comes back to Jesus, fills it up again, takes it to another 20. And that happens thousands and thousands of times. It's incredible what Jesus can do with that small thing, with a problem, with a need. Constantly train yourself to think in terms of miracles. It won't happen automatically. It's a training exercise. Our uh, son, he had, uh, what do we call it, building his testimony years, uh, where he wasn't walking with God. Uh, He was building his testimony. He was away from God, yet he was under our roof. And, uh, and it was um, stressful and it was tension and he was doing things that we didn't approve of and we wanted to see him back in the house of God. So we had a problem, right? He was separated from Jesus. And so we would pray and we would believe and we would call it in. We had to change the way that we thought because what we saw in the natural was discouraging to us, discouraging in what promises we had, discouraging what scriptures that we had in in our prayers, and we're seeing the opposite happen. And so we had to change the way that we're thinking and start looking at it through this fourth dimension eyes. Start to get that, oh, that real conviction that something's going to happen. Start to imagine, imagine him on the altar. Imagine him getting back right with God. We had a rhema word, a word from God that we'd read in the Bible. It came alive to us. It says he was what, he's not one who turns away to his own destruction. He's a faithful one whose soul will be saved. The amount of times that we said that, that we prayed that prayer, that we believed together over years, we kept declaring, we kept confessing, we kept praying and prophesying and calling it in. We had to work away from negative thoughts, absolutely, because that was right in front of our eyes. That was what we saw in the natural. So we had to change our way of thinking. We had to get a mindset for the miraculous, for miracles. And sure enough, we saw God work a miracle in his life and bring restoration. And three and a half years ago, he came and he did stand on the altar and pray a prayer of rededication to get right and not be separated from Jesus anymore. Come on, give God a hand as we invite our band to come up. God is good. Worship team, come and join me. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Ephesians 3 verse 20. To him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly in your life, in your circumstance, above all that we ask or think. So we can ask one thing, but we have to think it on the other hand. We have to think the same way that we're asking and praying for. Can't just ask it, ask it, complain, complain, see things and not think it in our spirit according to the power that works in us. What are you thinking? Are you thinking poverty? Are you thinking sickness? Are you thinking impossibility? Are you thinking negatively? Do you think failure? Have you renewed your thought life? God is a God of miracles. He is going to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. He is our help. He is our abundance. He's our success. He's our victory. And he's not limited. 
He's a God of miracles. Think in terms of miracles. This series where we're incubating a thought, we're getting a dream, we're getting that on the inside of us. We're imagining it and we're working on our mindset. Turn to your neighbour now and say, I've got to think in terms of miracles. I've got to think differently. What a challenge for us, hey? It's a challenge for us. But that's where we find God. You can't do it on your own. You have to partner with him. Back to that scripture in John chapter 6, where after this, after Andrew had been walking with Jesus, after Andrew had been seeing the miracles that Jesus had done, after Andrew seeing the impossible become possible, then he could see differently in his own circumstance, in that hour of need. Why don't you close your eyes? Oh, God, we thank you that you're God of the impossible. You are a miracle-working God. You open our hearts, Lord Jesus. Lord, you silence the doubt. You silence the negativity, Jesus. Oh, God, and you speak to us. I thank you, oh, God, that you help us change the way we think. Jesus, that you help us think in terms of miracles. You have got so much for us. Oh, we thank you, God. Amen.